It's been 15 minutes. The timer told us so. So we know it's time. That's right. That's why we do that fancy timer thing. Tries to keep us on track. Tries to keep us on track. All right. Man, that was a really good session with Drew, wasn't it? Really outstanding. That was... um, that was amazing, seeing the, the four boxes and understanding the questions, and, and uh, yeah, that's, just, that's why he makes the big bucks. That's good. He's good at... He... <laughs> All right, well, so many of you guys are from the church here. Some of you aren't. If you don't know, my name is Matt Williams. I'm the pastor here um, at the church. Um, uh, my brother and I moved here. My dad was the pastor here for 25 years. Uh, we moved here roughly 30-ish years ago, so although I wasn't born here, Albuquerque's home. Um, I love it here. This place is a, a pretty amazing spot. I think it's been kind of a hidden gem, a little bit of a diamond in the rough, but we're starting to see things shine up, and we are starting to come on the map as a city, which is pretty exciting to see um, the growth that's happening and, and everything that's going on in our city. Um, I, I think some people get frustrated sometimes. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody ever get frustrated or complain about Albuquerque. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think so. But but I think I think the reason is that is that there is an understanding of the potential of what Albuquerque is and can be, and then the reality of um, like what, it, what we see every day. Yeah, you know, I think the frustration lies in, in kind of in that, that divide between it. You know, my, my hope today um, is, is that we might move an inch or so in the direction of realizing more of that potential. Um, not just in our city, but even in ourselves, because I think we see gaps and we see this, this, this gap between um, here and there that, that, um, that, that does, that, you know, creates frustration when we see that gap. And so anyhow, um, I've, my dad was the pastor at this church for a long time. Um, I've been the pastor for about five years. And, uh, and then um, uh, what many of you, some of you know, is that I also own a business. Um, and so uh, it's called Duke City Inspections. And uh, we do home inspections and commercial property inspections. And so um, uh, in the world of pastoring, they call that bivocational, where you're doing kind of two things at once. And traditionally, uh, when you see a pastor that's bivocational, he's doing the job side the, the, because he has to, um, because the church is too small to financially support him. Um, uh, I, you know, I know, remember when I was starting this business, or even people in the church going like, what's going on, pastor? Are you okay? Like, what's happening? And I'm like, no, man, I've never been better. Um, and so I, I do it for a completely different reason. Um, I, I am an entrepreneur because I love business, and I have a ton of passion for it. And, uh, and I've been an entrepreneur and a kind of a hustler most of my life. And, uh, and I realized that when I was pastoring a church, um, it doesn't scratch the entrepreneurial itch um, that is inside of me. And so I had, to, I had to do something because I was kind of frustrated inside um, being uh, just a pastor. And um, not that pastoring is wrong, but I just, just kind of how my fit was. So I started this company two and a half years ago. Um, and uh, so now we're a million-dollar company, and we're one of the top three largest in the state of New Mexico. And so we've seen, yeah, thank you. Um, we've, we've, I, I, I say that, but really, um, we've grown like crazy, and I really attribute all the, the growth and dominance of what we've done um, in this short amount of time um, to the incredible favor of God um, and applying biblical principles of leadership in business. Uh, and so I, I, I could list off a whole ton of them, but there's only one that I want to talk about today. And it's I, this idea of the gap between here and there. The idea of the gap between here and there. There are gaps in your life between here and there. If you are a leader, 
um, which you are here by pure nature because you have some tug of leadership inside of you. Every leader should have a little bit of vision of where we're going, where you have something in your life that you're headed toward, which means just by, just by the nature of what you're doing, you're here and you want to go there. There's a gap between here and there. There's a potential that is unrealized. There's potential that, is, um, that people haven't seen. You know, it's funny, internally, we all have this idea of, of like, I could do more. Do you ever have that feeling inside or like, I, I'm capable of more? And, and if we look at that in a certain way, it can be frustrating. And so um, there was a time where I was wondering, like, how am I measuring up in life? These are questions you have to answer, right? So I Googled it. I was like, who is the same age as me? And, and, um, and so I don't know if you know this, but uh, Kobe Bryant and I are the same age. Yeah, and of course, he's, he's passed away, and we're the same age. And I'm like, well, he's accomplished a thing or two. And then, um, you know, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. Um, he's the same age as me. Um, Usher is a pop star. Drew Brees is a quarterback. Tom Brady is only one year ahead of me. And I started to realize that I have not accomplished much in life. I am severely underperforming uh, in comparison to my peers. And it was a very frustrating and discouraging uh, comparison uh, that I was, I was doing. Well, how about this? Maybe, maybe, you know, that's not fair. We didn't have the same starting line, right? We don't do the same things. How are you going to compare in our family, right? You know, um, and so I am the oldest, um, and I have a sister um, who is the middlest, and my brother who is the youngest. There's three of us in there. And so um, I'm the oldest child. Why is my brother more successful than me? I was like questioning this, and I was wrestling with this thing. I mean, clearly I'm better looking, right? We all know that. <laughs> But he has a higher net worth. And, and I'm like, well, well what, what, how am I going to do this, you know? I mean, we can't all have perfect hair. <laughs> he is slowly catching up to this beautiful, beautiful look, you know. I'm a pastor. I thought pastors are supposed to have perfect hairlines, white teeth, and private planes. That's what I see on TV, at least. I, I just don't know. Maybe you're the most successful person in your family, or maybe there's somebody else more successful than you. Sometimes we start to look to the left and the right and to compare ourselves to other people. And so that we can start to hold ourselves to some standard that isn't us. And so we can get in this idea of running a race that isn't ours. And, and we're trying to accomplish things that haven't been handed to us. And, and so sometimes our frustration can lie there. That's not really what I want to talk about today. What I really want to talk about today is the gap between what you know you're capable of or what you know you're called too. Because when you compare yourself, your success to others, right, you look around and, and, and you can look to others and say, well, they must be lucky. And they must have had good fortune. They just had a different starting line. I mean, sure, Donald Trump had built a multi-billion dollar real estate empire, but his dad gave him a million dollars to start out with. If my dad had given me a million dollars when I was in my 20s, no, I would have blown it. <laughs> I would have blown it. It's not fair. Why them? You know, like I would have completely mishandled the money. I can tell you that much. There is only one you and God put you on here in this earth on purpose for a purpose. And, and, and we're chasing this purpose that God puts inside of us. We can look to the future and see our future self. As long as you're trying to be somebody else, you're robbing the world of what a gift that God has already put inside of you. And so we've got to be chasing and looking to that future of what God has handed us. But sometimes we get expectations on ourselves that create frustration. So, a few years ago, my kids were little, 
as a dad, you know, I felt the dad guilt. I'm not good enough, the voice inside is telling me. I'm not good enough, and so I think, I'm gonna do a movie night. And so I come up with this great idea, we're gonna have this family night, it's gonna be a movie night. And so uh, back then, the movies came on these um, discs that you had to put in to the player that was hooked up to the TV. And so we had to order one, buy one of those, or order one of those, or go stop by a store. And anyhow, The Incredibles had just came out, the little cartoon movie, Kids Like Cartoons, this is gonna be amazing, I order it online. Um, at a discount, finally shows up at the house. We're excited. We make the popcorn. We get the candy. Everything's ready on the couch. We're all bundled up. We got blankets. I put the put the movie in the player, and it and it won't play. And I can't figure this out. And I eject it and I look closer, and I realize that this is like a homemade burned disc. And, and, and I'm looking at at the the case, and, and the case I'm realizing is now like a homemade printed case. I just bought a black market bootleg DVD and the only thing that's flashing to my mind is all these FBI warnings on front of every single movie. <laughs> Cops are on their way. They gotta be scrambling. They're coming. I'm gonna be arrested. And my expectation is amazing family night, but the end result is dad's in jail. <laughs> but there's a gap, isn't there? There's a gap between here and there. You see, there's the frustration is the gap between what we expect and what we experience what we expect and what we experience. And we all have this gap. We all have this gap. You're starting a new job. You expect something, right? You get into it. There's a honeymoon phase. About a month in, you're like, oh, they got some yellow flags. This place is a little bit different maybe. I'm not sure. A couple months in, three months in. By about 90 days in, you're like, the reality is setting in of what this job actually is going to be versus what you thought it was going to be. You get married. Oh, yes, you get married. My spouse is perfect, can do nothing wrong. A little while later, you realize there are things that they may be doing wrong. The toilet paper clearly rolls under, not over. They've been doing it wrong. What you thought you might have had versus what you really have. Amber thought she would have a husband that would put, her, put his socks in the laundry. But what she really has is a husband who leaves his laundry on the floor. Not true. You thought you'd have a boss that trusted you, but you didn't. You have a boss that hoards the information and won't empower you. He said he would, but it didn't happen. And now you're stuck in this place where you're being micromanaged and every little decision you have to go run to the boss for, for everything, because he won't let you run the thing that he's asked you to run. What you think you have versus what you really have. You thought that you would have a team of employees all rallied up to go, but they're not. They're clocking in, clocking out. They're in this thing just for the paycheck. And you're like, no, let's fire up the troops. And they won't. There's a gap between what we expect and what we experience. Some people respond by lowering the expectations down to their reality. Some people suffer through the gap and get frustrated. They get jaded. They get, they get bitter. They get cynical. Have you ever met that guy? The leader, the boss, who's like, he's like, yeah, well, that's just how it always is around here. And you're like, well, but we can do better. Yeah, I've tried that. You know, trust me, I've been here forever. Nothing ever changes. And so we have this potential is the red line. The little blue ziggy zag line is our uh, reality. And the gap between reality and frustration is there. If you notice, reality isn't a straight line. Because there's a little bit of ups and downs and a little bit of lefts and rights. Reality is that you feel like you take two steps forward and one step back. 
There's days you feel like you're making progress as a leader and days that you realize you're making, having setbacks as a leader. There's days you're winning some and days that you're losing some, which is why the emotional intelligence is so important, which is why the wind at the sails and walking in with your attitude set, I'm going to be a leader today, is so important. So the frustration is where you find in the gap. So how do you lower, how do you close the gap? How do you get rid of the frustration? I'm going to lower my expectations down to my reality, or I'm going to try to move my reality up to my expectations. And how are you going to work harder? I'm just going to do more and work harder and push my reality all the way up to my expectations. And so then pretty soon, you're like me. You're a high D person, and you're driven, and you're, and you're like, I'm just going to work 16 hours a day, and then 18 hours a day, and my wife and kids, they're going to be happy once I start making enough money, and we start doing this and doing that, and then I can pay for the vacation, and then they're like, who's my dad? I forgot who my, I don't know what my kids look like, and you're missing out on things, and, and then you, you, you sacrifice one thing to gain something else, and, and you're working extra, extra hard to get there, but, but at the end of the day, you never get to what your expectation is. It's an elusive goal because once you realize that you're at the hill of, of, of the peak that you thought was once the mountain, it's just like climbing a mountain. You're like, that's the peak. You get to the top and it's before you even get to the top, you can see the next peak coming up. So by the time you think, if I can just get to this place in life, I'll be happy. Pretty soon you're there. And then you're standing there and you have everything that you thought you would want. But the problem is that your expectations have now raised even Further, you will always have the tension in your life, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do. The gap between reality and expectation, it's there. It's there. Chasing your expectations is like going the wrong way on a moving sidewalk. You've seen those flat things in the airport, the moving sidewalk. If you're walking the backwards, you're not going anywhere. If you stop, you're going going to go backwards. And if you really want to make progress on this, you have to really run and hustle on a moving sidewalk to get forward if you wanted to. Chasing your expectations is something that can really burn you out, can really wear you out. And as a leader and an entrepreneur, this gap can be found within ourselves. As a leader, you felt this. We've all done this. We've all battled it. What do we do with the gap? You end up sounding like a crazy person, by the way. Why? Well, because my present self is frustrated with my past self because my past self didn't do the things to put my present self in a position to go do the things that now I see my future self wanting to do. And now I'm really upset with myself because like my past self and my present self are really unhappy and I see my future self and it's never going to happen. And I'm really frustrated and mad with myself because myself has put expectations on myself that nobody else has put on me, by the way. And so now I'm internally wrestling with this conflict inside. Why? Because I put it on myself for no reason. And I have these expectations that are, that are unattainable. And, and, I, and now what? I get frustrated. And so what do I do? What do I do? Frustrations are rooted in the gap between here and there. They're rooted in the gap between here and there. So we all want to hear is, because we're here, we're sitting here in this building, in these chairs, with our current situation, our current problems, our current life, our current hopes, and our current dreams. But there's untapped potential in what we are doing. And it's kind of like a seed. Potential is like a seed. There's, there's a seed in this apple. You know, there's seeds all over the place. Sort of looking, different seeds have different potentials. Some seeds are going to produce only one or two things. Some will produce massive trees. 
that produce lots of fruit. Do you know that seeds can actually expire and no longer be valid? Like, like seeds, when they're first produced, have the most potency when they first come out of the, um, the, the vegetable or the fruit or whatever it is that they come out of. That's when they're the most potent. And so people harvest seeds and they sell them in the store and they put them into a package. By the time you get that package of seeds at the store, it's lost some potency. They're about 85% potent, which means about 85% of the seeds in that pack will likely germinate into something. But if you take those seeds and you take them home and you're like, I'm going to plant these seeds and you don't and you let them sit on the shelf, the longer they sit on the shelf, the more that they kind of go down in potency. So instead of planting one seed in the hole that you're placing, you should probably plant two just to be careful, just to make sure that you, you get something. After one year, it drops significantly. It goes from like 85% down to like 60%. And you start watching it. And some seeds expire faster than others. But by the time 20 years has passed with a seed sitting on the shelf, less than 10% of them are actually going to work. Which means you have a dream of potential inside of you. And the sooner you can plant it, the better off you're going to be. The longer that you sit on it, the less potential it has, the less potent that it has. So how long between planting and harvesting? What's the shortest from planting to harvest? I had to Google it because I wasn't sure. Um, radishes have a four-week pattern. You can plant the seed and in four weeks harvest a radish. Now, nobody wants to eat a radish, so that's a problem. <laughs> You know, artichokes, it's two years between planting a seed and getting an artichoke. I know, right? It takes another two years to eat the stupid thing because you've got to peel the <laughs> leaves off. <laughs> asparagus. Who likes asparagus in the room? Yeah, six years from planting to harvest. Six years. Unbelievable. It takes forever for an asparagus to grow. You can never know the potential of a seed by looking at it, right? We all see the fruit that comes out. But the only way to know the potential is to plant it. That's the only way. You've got to sow. The only way to know it is to sow it. Here comes the preacher. Come on. Got to have some rhyming in there, right? Can I get an amen? The only way to know it is to sow it. Listen, there is so much potential inside of this room that, we have, that is unplanted. You have dreams and hopes and you have visions that God has given you about your life that need to be planted. You see, we know what, the, the, this, the, the, what comes out of here. And so we can actually open up an apple and see what's inside of it. And so there's a bunch of seeds. And so I can come in here and start to dig through and figure out how many seeds are inside of an apple. And so we can lay them out and count them. And, but what you don't know is how many apples are inside of the seed. Because the seed is there. Listen, you have a seed inside of you. You have something inside of you that wants to grow into something better, bigger. And the frustration comes because we know that there's potential in this. And we don't know how much potential is in this until we start to plant it and start to see what's going to happen. You won't know what you have until it's planted. You can fill out all the personality tests in the world. They'll tell you what kind of color you are or animal, what numbers you are in the numeric, what is that, Enneagram thing. You can do all the numbers, and I can know that I'm a tiger and a bear and a lion mixed in with a red, orange, green thing with the... You know, the different psychological terms that they attach. You can fill out all those things and you can know what that is. All that tells you is you have some potential, but you don't know what you have inside of you until you plant it and you see it come true. You don't know. I knew I had a business in me that had the potential to grow. 
And the frustration inside of me was, I know this is in me and God has put it in me and I can take all the tests and fill out the bubbles and have all the results, but I don't know it until I plant it. You don't know it until you plant it. You don't know it till you sow it. You won't see it till you sow it. So we get frustrated in the process, not for the lack of the potential, but for the lack of the process, of not going through the process. In Galatians chapter 6, it says this, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap the eternal life. Let us not go become weary in doing good, for all the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So here's what we got. We have, the Bible talks a lot about this. You have to reap what you sow. So there's some laws in this that apply. I'm not a farmer. I don't grow things. So I had to do lots of research and figure out what this process looks like, right? And uh, I, I, am, I am an indoor guy, um, not an outdoor guy. I don't like to camp. I don't like to hunt. I buy my meat at the store and cook it. Just get some things straight, you know. So there's some laws. I get this right. There we go. Laws of sowing and reaping. Number one, you reap what you sow. What you plant is what will grow. I'm not going to plant. I know this is really simple. But if, if I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get apples. If I plant a lemon seed, I'm going to get lemons. If I plant a guacamole seed, I'm going to get guacamole. <laughs> if you plant a wheat seed, you're not going to get apples you're going to get wheat. I know, it's simple. But if you plant seeds of destruction in your life, you're going to get destruction. If you plant seeds of jealousy in your life, you're going to get jealousy. If you're leading in an environment, what you plant is what you're going to harvest. If you don't like what you're reaping, you've got to change what you're sowing. If you eat what you want... You're going to be 30 pounds overweight or more. Insert COVID. I got my COVID-19 right here. It's not punishment, it's harvest. So if you don't like the way that your team is going, have the EQ to take control and take the steps to plant different seeds. All right, you reap more than you sow. That's another rule, number two, is that you reap more than you sow. You put one seed in the ground, you don't get one apple. What you sow gets multiplied. Which means this small, smart choices plus consistency and over time equals a radical difference. Small decisions and consistency over time will bring radical differences. So what's your daily routine? It's the little things to consistently done over time. It's not what you do occasionally that makes a difference. It's what you do consistently makes a difference. Number three, you reap after you sow. Which, which means, I know, this is all really basic, but this is where the frustration gap comes in that I want to talk about. It's because you start sowing and planting, and the frustration sets in because I want apples, and I planted an apple seed. 
I took over this church five years ago. Why are we not 5,000 people and the biggest church on the block? And we should have a line out the door and people getting saved and, and miracles happening. And, and, and I'm planting and I'm planting and I'm planting and we're working and we're working. And, 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 like, and then why, 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 why is this not happening? And, and because there's a gap between planting and sowing. It's farming. It's farming. This is why I'm an indoor guy. We tried for a while too. I went to the gym five times. This week, still got my COVID-19, <laughs> can't get rid of it. No change, the scale's the same. You know what, I'm gonna pay off my student loan debt. I'm gonna save every penny, and I paid an extra $100 this month. Golly, that's gonna take forever. It's consistency over time that brings the results of what we want. So our entire life is the sum of the total of all the small decisions that we make. So every action is choosing a direction. This idea of a doer and the feeler that Drew was talking about, that was incredible because our feeler and our doer are connected. And I feel like doing one thing, but is which one's following which? Brilliant. I think the potential in this room and all the seeds that are hidden in the dirt of your soul. You see that, that seed has to go into the ground and, and, and basically it didn't go into die, it went into multiply. And we plant and we bury it and we work and we water and we sow and we toil and we pull the weeds and we fertilize and we do it again and again and again and again. You had a failure in your life. Doesn't mean you're a failure. Somebody wrote you off. You're not a write-off. People walked away, seemed like it was over. Listen, don't give up. God gave you that vision. He gave you that seed. You've planted it consistently. Water, fertilize, pull weeds. Don't give up because there's something that's coming from that. So I'm going to try to catch us back up on time today. The tension of the vision. If you don't have tension, you don't have a vision. Come on. If you don't have tension, you don't have a vision. So, so this, is, this, is where, this is where we all sit. As a leader, you have a vision for something, and you're feeling the tension. So we, we, we see the tension, we feel it, and we get frustrated. And we think it's never going to happen because haters are hating, people are saying things, you got comments on your channel or your whatever it is, you have traffic coming into your head, the trains are coming by, and maybe you've boarded one that you shouldn't have, and you got to get off and get back to the station and realize that, you know what I mean, you, you, you have the tension of the vision. Every leader sees a better tomorrow. Every leader sees a future that has a better tomorrow. No vision is no life. If you don't have a vision, you don't have life. You've got to have something that's a brighter tomorrow that you're shooting for. And that tension that's there is what creates the frustration. It creates it. It creates the frustration. I want to propose to you that you should embrace the tension rather than avoid it. See, the absence of tension means you don't have enough vision. If you're new to leadership and you're like, why am I feeling all of this tension? Settle in and understand that that's part of the chair of a leader is you will have that. People will call it a burden. They'll call it a weight. They'll call it an anointing. They'll call it a, they'll call it a, a mantle. They'll call it something. But they'll call it something that you're carrying, and it will feel like uncomfortable in the beginning. 
God will not give you more tension than you can handle. He'll give you a vision that is something that you can still see and, and kind of achieve and try to go for it. But, but listen, when, when you're going in life, you'll have that tension. The further you raise in leadership, the further down you go the path of leadership, God will upgrade your vision as you go along and the tension will grow. And you'll have more tension. If you don't like tension, you should be at the bottom of the leadership pile, not in the middle, not in the top. The more that you go up, the more tension you're going to have. But you're sitting here today because you're a leader and you know this and you felt this. The tension is there and it's a good thing. <clears throat> and so I'm going to shift to this one here. The could be versus the should be. You see, the perspective on this determines your success. The tension between here and there, the, the gap between here and there. And, and so this is where this is where everything changes. How you look at that gap of frustration will determine how you're going to handle leadership. So I call it the could be or the should be. If you look, I'm here today in my here, and I should be up here, you're now looking at the gap between where you're at and the future as a, a failure on your part. And your, your language and your perspective is like, could you ever find yourself there? Golly, I shouldn't be like this. I should be like that. I should, you know what? Our organization should be doing this. Our, our, our people should be doing that. And when you have that approach, what happens is you start to look at the gap and you realize that your should be's are now condemning and judging the progress that you could be making. And anytime you make a step in the right direction, it's like, yeah, well, it's about freaking time. And you're not celebrating your success anymore. You're condemning even your success as being a failure. Yeah, am I preaching to the right people? Yes. Come on, right? And we, we struggle with this thing. And, and so if we flip our perspective and understand, part of this is like how Drew was saying he Googled it and realized the imposter said, he's like, oh, this is normal? Listen, this is normal. Your gap between here and there is normal. If you didn't have that gap, you would not be a leader. You are a leader, understand the gap and understand that that is normal. And your perspective on it will radically change how you feel about that. It's not a should be, it's a could be. You know where we could be next year? Man, look at all this potential that we have inside of us. Yeah, we're here, but we're going there. And, 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 and you make a step, come on guys, high five, boom. Now we're going in the right direction. Any progress you make is now a celebration of, of reaching for the new heights and the vision that God has given you and put inside of your life. Should be as a condemnation of your current position. Could be as full of hope and faith for your future self. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the gap between here and there. The faith journey is taking one step at a time in the direction that God is leading you. And that gap is the tension and, and, and you want to take steps, but you're like, I'm not sure. And if I fail and what if, and it's the tension. So we all have an idea of success and we all wanted it two weeks ago. Don't live in the gap. Well, I shouldn't say don't live in the gap. Let me see if I can go back. If I'm good at this, I should have put this in twice to make my life easier. Nope. Can you click the little graphy thing with the arrows and the stuff? 
Yeah, there we go. So here's what we, we do is that we, we live in the, if we live in the area of the frustration, we find that becoming obsessive and we find ourselves in the should be. But if we live in the line between the bottom and the ziggy-zaggy blue line, we live in the place of celebration of saying, look how far we've come and look where we're getting to go. And so you spend your time celebrating and living in the success part while looking to the future and saying, look, this is where we could be. If you find yourself living in the frustration gap and you're living in this frustration, it's because you're living in the upper part, discounting the lower part, rather than living in the lower part and having a hope for the future of the upper part. The tension's there, the gap is there. The greater your gap, the greater your vision, the more potential that's living inside of you. Don't look down on that gap Celebrate it, understand it, and realize it. This is the frustration gap. So I skipped a few fun stories and, and hilarious stuff, trying to catch up on time, but here's what we've got. I've got three bonus thoughts for you that I did not put in my slides. Because it came to me this morning. And this is kind of the, the general thought, and it's interesting because it kind of ties in with what Drew had said, is, is um, what's in us comes out of us, right? And so that, that inside comes out, right? We have, um, um, we have, we have thoughts, um, we have um, um, worries, we have emotions, we have behaviors. What's in us comes out of us. And so um, this is so half-baked that I'm like, just understand you're eating half-baked here. So um, what, what you say in your situation is likely to be the truth. I mean, like, like you're in this situation, so you have the frustration gap, and what you say about it is, like the Bible says power of life and death is in the tongue. You know, in, in the world you see people saying, well, let's just speak the manifestations or whatever. They're taking biblical principles and twisting the words. But, but what you say is more likely what's going to happen. And, and you start to, to speak these things into existence and, and, and so if, if it's in you, it's going to come out of you, which means, so your, your thoughts, what you're thinking about, where you put your mind in this chart becomes what you're worrying about. And, and your worries um, become your, your thoughts. And you get into this like vicious cycle of thoughts and worries and thoughts and worries and thoughts and worries. So where you set your mind is important. And, and Snoop Dogg, actually, I know, my wife is like, come on. Because he had his mind on his money and his money on his mind. <laughs> but it didn't end well. It drove him to a drinking problem, specifically gin and juice. So <laughs> you don't have to, like, you just have to let your thoughts stop controlling you. Like, like that train thing was brilliant, man, brilliant. Because, like, the, 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 the thoughts are coming all the time, and it's like you get to pick which ones are coming and going. And just because a thought comes in your head doesn't mean it belongs there. Like, a lot of stuff falls in my head that doesn't belong there. Snoop Dogg lyrics, can't get them out. Yeah, I can't get them out. The Snoop Dogg is stuck in there, man, stuck in there. That halftime show was epic. You don't have to believe everything you think, you know, like, like your thoughts are controlling and you don't have to believe everything you think. And, and so anyhow, that, that starts to impact your beliefs and your emotions and your beliefs drive your actions. And then, and then your actions and your behaviors um, start to come out in your, in your body. So, so here's, my, here's my thought on this little bonus part that I have no slides for that's half-baked. When I'm feeling down and sad, hey, Matt, how you doing? 
I don't know. I'm all right, man. Not feeling it. You know, just going to do what I got to do. Hey, man, how are you feeling today? Bro, I am pumped. I am fired up. Yeah, high five, boom, knuckles, yeah. You know, like what happens when I'm feeling certainly on the inside, it starts to manifest on the outside because what's on the inside comes out. So the thought that I had is this. If all this stuff can come from the inside out, can I put it backwards from the outside in? Right? So, so this is the thought. is like, can I choose to speak life into something and can I choose to set my personal self on the outside to be able to drive backwards into me, set my mind right on the inside. My thoughts don't control me, I control my thoughts. My beliefs, like I I can control this the other direction as well. Um, I think it's a two-way street. So in my, in my company, we have a value that, that's, written, that's written up on, on, and posted all the place, and we talk about it every few weeks, is that, is that we are thermostats, not thermometers. So thermometers read the room and, and, and tell you the temperature. I can walk in here, and you guys are sitting here and staring at me, and every once in a while a smile and a chuckle and a nod. And I can be like, oh, I don't know if these guys are really into this. You know, I think um, their body language is like they're all looking down because they're taking notes, you know. Like, you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm in this room. <laughs> you know, and it's like I can read the room and try to basically say, well, this is the temperature. Have you ever done that? You know what? You walk into a place and you're like, this place sucks. I don't like it. I don't like it. You can be on a management team in your, in your business and in your office and you can be in the meeting and you'll be like, these people suck. This company stinks. The energy's low. You know, you can, you can do all of that. It takes like zero intelligence to be a thermometer. None. Your emotional intelligence is very low if all you are is a thermometer. Anybody can tell you the temperature of the room. This is not, like this is like real basic. One brain cell, you can tell the temperature of the room and declare to people what the temperature is. Yep, that's what it is. It takes another level to be a thermostat. See, a thermostat is, says, it senses the temperature of the room and says, I know it's 65, but I'm gonna dial it up to 70 And it has the ability to click some things together to raise the temperature of the room. Why I stand here and make big movements and talk with loud words is because I'm trying to raise the temperature of the room. As a leader, you're the thermostat that sets the temperature of the room. So when you join a team, guess what? You're part of the thermostat that sets the temperature in the company. You're part of that thing. And so it's up to, like, if you come in as a team leader or if you come in as a middle manager and you're going to be a thermometer, no, you actually got to change because now you're a thermostat, right? Now you got to set the temperature and how do you do that? Sometimes you have to do it backwards from how you feel and you have to go the other way around. Talk about the guy who walked in badged and said, it's time to be a leader. He's verbally saying it is time to be a leader and he's telling himself, this is what my mode is this is what I'm going to do. And I got the case of the Mondays. No, Monday's my favorite day of the week. You just tell yourself that. Monday's my favorite day of the week. And what am I going to do? I'm going to show up to work early on Mondays and I'm going to bring so much energy. It disgusts the people that are haters. I'm going to make their life miserable. And it's my mission to raise the temperature to these people get uncomfortable. They're either going to come up in temperature with me or they're going to start avoiding me. Either way, I win. Leadership. 
I'm going to lead those that want to go. I'm going to take them to a place that they don't want to be. They haven't thought about going there. I'm going to go ahead and just lead that way. I'm going to force it in. So there you go. There's my half-baked bonus material. We are going to take a 15-minute break, grab some water, some snacks. We're going to wrap this up with another powerful session from Drew because holy cow, it's amazing. I'm glad you're here. And then the taco truck will be here and we will have delicious food. All right, 15 minutes.